American Criminal is a new true crime podcast from the studio behind American Scandal and American History Tellers. Every week, you'll fall deeper into the riveting stories of the country's most clever, craven, and cruel criminals. Fraud, theft, murder, and worse. Whatever the case, whoever the criminal, you don't know the whole story until now. The debut season tackles one of the most sensational cases of the 20th century, the Menendez murders. In 1989, young Lyle and Eric Menendez brutally shot their own parents. Prosecutors and the press said it was a multi-million dollar inheritance that led two greedy rich kids to murder. But the picture-perfect facade this Hollywood family built hid troubling abuse. Could these teenagers have been driven to kill? Or was it even in self-defense? Listen now. Go to AmericanCriminal.com or search for and follow American Criminal wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, Reject Nation. Welcome, welcome, welcome to our uh, Stranger Things 4 recap, review, breakdown, etc. series. This is Chapter 4, Dear Billy, and uh, I'm very excited to hop into it. This this was quite an episode and uh you know the the whole season so far has been quite striking but every now and again you see an episode of tv where you're just like oh man i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna remember that for for a while this was one of those so anyhow if you want to join us for the full length uh reaction experience uh come on over to our patreon page sync up with your own copy or if you want to check out the highlights those are available at youtube.com slash the real rejects always a good time over there and uh yeah we'll be here for the whole season going into the second part and beyond so keep an ear out keep an eye out and uh hey thank you for listening on to the review And if I only could make a deal with God. Sorry, this is just the song. You know, it's it's gonna be back. It, it's it's so back. You know, it's not even funny. All right, got a few more episodes to get through here. So, uh, yeah, we'll keep it short. The best we can. <laughs> That's what we always say. <laughs> Uh, this was, I don't, I have no idea what that actress's name is still. I don't Sadie know. Sink? Yeah. Plays Max? Yeah. Yeah. She's, uh, she's incredible. She's fantastic, yeah. What an incredible performer. Beautiful monologue. And so real. It's like such a real performer. Plays that repressed personality, difficult to open up character so well. So, so realistic. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, you do some shit of, of love and hope saving the day. You're going to get me, man. Yeah. <laughs> You're just going to freaking get me right there. Yeah. Uh, anytime someone is, like, in de- in a desperate dash to just get back to the people they love and have just now learned again to appreciate, like, oh. Woof. Yeah, man. Wow. I like I like when when uh, like an action scene or some kind of set piece can also get me very emotional, <laughs> like when the story really does collide with the action in a very visceral way. Yes, and it, it, it they they make a powerful. There, there's so much emphasis on music this season in a different context, like it's a part of the before it was like part of the personality of the show, embodying the '80s, and this really just feels like a horror show now and not, you know, the 80s nostalgia show at all. Yeah, um, the 80s wonder show. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, like you know, Billy being in a band and... Not Billy. Um, uh, Danny. Well, who's the freaking guy? Dungeons and Dragons guy. Danny? Is his name Freddy? Freddy? That was Danny. Is it Freddy? Freddy. I think. Are you confident about that? 
I'm pretty sure it's not Danny. <laughs> Is there another Danny in this show? I'm not sure. What were you going to say? I'll look it up. <laughs> you might be right. I think it's Freddy. The Freak. Yes. Yeah. Um, with him being in a band and then also this emphasis on music channeling a different part of, of your brain. And I think that's something a lot of us can relate to. Hence why slapping 80s music onto a show taking place in the easy so nostalgic and you talk about the soundtrack so there's a bit of like this interesting meta commentary about that with dealing with the psychology of why nostalgic kind of works so well and then especially for stranger things a show that was so popular and one of the biggest talks about it was so nostalgic for the 80s mm -hmm. and then using a song to help save the day um, capturing that part in your brain, activating it is a big, and leading to this uh, action of love and hope during a time of such great harrowing, um, just like beautiful harrowing visuals, by the way. That was like absolutely beautiful. Yeah. At the same time, as nightmarish as it was, as, as like messed up as it was, it was still like, beautiful to behold. And I think it's cool that they managed to, there's not been anything about, ha fun 80s song. It's it, the, the music using that as a part of the actual character for your show is great, great choice uh, all around. And this is this just gets more horror as it as it descends. And yeah. with, with horror genre tropes of the supernatural haunting, uh, but then it also felt most Stranger Things horror here because this felt most like we're in the upside down than before. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And I thought running running up that hill and especially using like the. the the Kate Bush version and all that stuff. Like I thought that was a really nicely chosen song because, you know, I, I feel like there are always debates to be had about m deliberate use of music and when lyrics reflect too heavily of what the plot is doing. But I thought that was a well chosen song for just all her character beats because it definitely sinks over and lines up with both, uh, you know, her wishing she could have swapped places with Billy, but also just that, you know, uh, again, that motif of literally running up some kind of you know obstacle uh and just the fact that that is an iconic song like i could see how that would be somebody's favorite song <laughs> at the time sure and uh yeah i thought it was a really nice thematic choice in a really great way like you said to build upon the you know motifs and the language of the show and then make that stuff more meaningful and uh and yeah and i thought it was a really nicely uh I thought it was really nice the way they orchestrated that as part of the solution or as part of the way we can fight back against Vecna. Like, it felt like a very natural unfolding of that and using the motif of, okay, we're in his flashback and, uh, you know, Ella Fitzgerald is playing and so that's the sort of clue. And uh, going back through that, too, like, the whole flashback with Creel and getting, like you said, like a little American Horror Story-esque interlude where you're mm. in the past and you're seeing the onset of at least the first time we're aware of this having happened, you know, recently. And uh, I thought he turned in a great performance, too. Like, he basically gets to give this big old monologue that is then filled in with some cutaways and such but you know it's like Vecna itself is such a monstrous presence and is that are we to assume that's Robert England doing the voice of Vecna yeah I mean, we established that since the first episode oh I guess so I just wasn't 100% certain <laughs> but uh, either way I mean I, I thought that uh, 
that yeah, like having him in a subtle way, he's got the bigger hand on the one side with the claws, so there's like that little subtle Freddy nod, but this also reminds you of just how good of an actor Robert England can be and how affecting he can be. And, uh, you know. Is he also Creel? He's Creel, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's why I was asking, because I was like, okay, I can definitely tell that's Oh, they were asking about Vecna, yeah. No, that's, yeah, because Vecna, I'm like, okay, he must be doing the voice, but I don't think he's in the makeup unless he is in the makeup. No, no, but... they did establish that he would be. Um... I think they they I think the Duffer brothers um, said that he would be Creel. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But I didn't know if he was the voice of the yeah of the monster uh, as well. To play a human, they cover up his eyes. I know. <laughs> but I mean, even still, I mean, that was a great as is a really good looking effect, and he really was able to emote through that. And I love the tension that they got out of that whole sequence because yeah. you get the fun and games of them having to break in and ingratiate themselves, and then yeah, you get your Silence of the Lambs sort of you know, unnerving interlude with him. Uh, and yeah, there's the way that that progresses while filling in the blanks. I thought was really well done too. It's so tension. There's, this is like the most intense season. It is so intense. Uh, I, yeah. I really love it. <laughs> and I think that there's like such great little subtleties that are, I think are fantastic. Mm -hmm. You know, even when Mike and Will, Will looking up at Mike as Mike is feeling a little bit more like the Mike that we've all come to love. Hmm. A softer mic, not just complaining mic, but a softer mic. Yeah. <laughs> and Will just always been such a lost soul, and he always found like uh, a sense of grounded, feeling grounded with his friends. Yeah. You know, and being in this new state, we're still feeling a bit like an outsider or not in his place of comfort. You know, the part where he felt he most belonged and felt safe was with his friends. And to have Mike, you know, confide in him and tell him, like, we can do this together, just feeling like this is where I belong. Yeah. It's a really touching moment. Or even Lucas, you know, all these times of him trying to get Max to connect to him and, and seeing, like, you can talk to me. And, I, and sometimes it could be, like, a little bit desperate. But then you see in this moment that he, if it wasn't for Lucas being there, knowing Max so well to be able to find the song choice <laughs> to help save her. Like, he does know and love her. And then protects her and I think the way they write that whole grieving thing because like I really like the monologue Max is giving when she's reading the letter yeah uh and then I I did find my mind kind of trailing off a little bit a, a couple points though going I remember this Billy guy being a complete abusive asshole yes. to you and there was that whole thing in season two where you like uh, uh you, you drugged him I mean when he was like beating up Steve you told him not to mess with you again throwing him with the bat he was like a, a total dick yeah you know and and, and so and then he was the villain. Granted, he was being embodied uh, by uh, upside down thingy, Majin. my flavor. Uh, yeah, <laughs> he was. Uh, yeah. So, what I appreciated was that they really painted the gray of what it's like to lose someone who is abusive to you, who is also family. Mm -hmm. Of you do have the good memories and you do have the wishful things you do have I, I imagine we could have had this and that and it could have been beautiful but then what he's preying on is the other side that can really make you feel guilty which is i'm kind of relieved that you died because you were awful you know now you can't hurt me anymore <laughs> yeah yeah and i thought that was such a a great way to flesh out her grief you know 
because it's not like she's confessing and saying goodbye and trying to really put this to rest with her letter. It's, oh, it's all this other stuff she's not acknowledging mm-hmm. that he can feed off of because that's a hard thing to admit uh, when you're like, I'm kind of relieved my brother died when, you know, it's like we know that yeah, was, Billy was messed up. Yeah. Um, and you had to make her feel bad mm-hmm. always. Like, especially in season two, their relationship, he was insanely abusive. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, Billy was a great character. Like, Dak Montgomery was freaking awesome. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. Like, it, to have his presence back was nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah very for little sure. cameo. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I thought it was great. And they had a great action scene, too, with the with The, uh, with the, the Wonder? Yeah, the Wonder with the. And I was like, where did this cool scene come from? Yeah. <laughs> and, like, this cop who was just a joke. I'm like, you're badass. You you're taking out the whole military. The <laughs> yeah, you're taking yeah. out all these soldiers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I, yeah. I mean, Netflix, you know, obviously it's like a meme about their shows, but I thought that was another one of like wow you really stepped up for this one like it, it yeah as much as it is easy to go like ah netflix won or it, it was a really impressive and really visceral and intense sequence and yeah it's nice to get uh maybe jonathan being a little more important uh, yeah, yeah he's the one who's keeping initiated that they yeah, go yeah, yeah. And, the and this is also except for flashbacks a, a, a nearly 11 list episode right we don't even check yeah, in not. with her in the present once now in some ways this is like their walking dead or game of thrones season where you just like yes. so check in with other characters that is yeah. absolutely a good call and and friggin a i mean everything with joyce and murray and and yuri and and the double cross i mean i guess we we could have i didn't see them i know i didn't, I, I didn't either like i kept i you didn't see that coming. i kept every step of the way i kept being like okay it's gonna be this thing or there won't be enough money or something like that and then yeah it just comes right down to the double cross so uh i don't know that season that that situation only seems like it can get crazier and more complicated well it's interesting they kept things like a little bit fun despite in spite despite some stuff that was occasionally horrific with the you know the dream sequences with vecna with max they kept a lot of it fun because these episodes are so thick. Yeah. So there's they structure them differently than before. Mm-hmm. Um, it's fun, and then when you come back to Russia with Hopper. That's when it's really like realistic and intense. You feel the biting. Cold. Like there's no yeah. there's no real Stranger Things going on over there. Yeah. You know, in, in terms of Yet. <laughs> sci-fi stuff. That's why I keep going. What about the Demogorgon? <laughs> you know, isn't there a big Demogorgon there? Maybe that's where yeah. they put escaped prisoners and corrupt guards. <laughs> yeah. so I was thinking he's gonna get away. There's not even be a Demogorgon. Yeah. 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 Um, so yeah, you have that, and then the way they are tying it into the events, like they they had the Russians in season all throughout season three, but this time they're actually scary. Well, yeah, and, and and yeah, and and the even Joyce's involvement and Murray's involvement have ramifications from that previous season because clearly the KGB is very much aware of them. A thousand percent. Yeah, yeah. and That's uh, a good way to build on that. And, you know, I did think Hopper would get away. That was also a good fight scene, too. Yeah. I thought Hopper was going to get away, and they, they sell you on it. Like, oh, he can finally relax. He puts his feet under the blanket, eats the peanut butter. He feels relieved. Yeah. <laughs> Hopper's just, like, suffering. Sobbing into peanut butter only, yeah, to get apprehended immediately. Yeah. I mean, I feel like the guard would have thought that through. Why did the warden call him? The uh, Yuri. Why did the warden call Yuri? I don't know. Uh, he said the warden called me. Or did he call the warden? He called, yeah. yeah he yeah. called the warden? Yeah. You're he just said, don't call that? here. Yeah. Yuri called. Yuri called the warden. Well, he called that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But Yuri called the warden beforehand to let him know that uh, our guy is corrupt and is helping Hopper. I thought, and he, he, reported I thought he said the warden called him. Uh, 
maybe, but the I don't know. The, the way I took that scene was he said, I called the warden and ratted on you to make the money for ratting on you. I gotta know this. <laughs> I gotta know. I'm pretty sure he said the warden called me. Alright, check it. I must know. Not to prove you wrong or something, John. No, I, just, I feel like it changes the context a lot in that scene. Eddie Munson. It's not Freddie. It's Eddie Munson. Eddie. There we go. We, yeah. uh, we can verify yeah. that and then we can verify this. Don't worry. Someone already put down a comment correcting us. <laughs> yes. Eddie Munson. Yeah, it's the way it goes, man. Um, let me just... Uh, Speed through this. I'm very sorry. I just felt you should. Side change the plan. Come on. Speeding this up. Oh, I just got the phone with the ward. A very productive call. Okay, so. So yeah, he just snitched on him. Bastard. Yeah. Fucking a. I trusted the corrupt guy to have a good corrupt liaison. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I imagine that they would. I mean, you guys probably finished the show. It's not week to week. Yeah, don't. I mean, it, so, it won't matter if you comment because we'll probably be past this point anyway. I but. mean, I'll I'll say this that I think the trailers did ruin something then. Ah, okay. Because you do see, yeah, yeah. <laughs> trying Damn! To, trying not to think too hard. It wasn't even. Uh, no, I just remember that. I remember now because you had the moments just pop back. Yeah, yeah I remember what you know, What moment do you have? Do we see him back? I mean, we see Murray and Joyce on a plane, okay, kind of intensely. Okay, so, so they're probably gonna overpower Yuri. Damn, uh, that sucks. Wasn't even like a leak. Yeah, that's just like the trailer. Yeah, there's other thinking. shots with Hopper that that I that are coming to mind that they were like big in the promos in the beginning that have not come to fruition. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Let's just funny about me is like movies I can weirdly handle spoilers now and leaks. I don't like actively seek them, but if it happens, I'm like, I don't know. Um, if the movie's but, good enough, the moment will hit. <laughs> but a show is, I'm, I'm way more particular about a show for some reason. A show, because it's a longer investment. Yeah, way bigger investment. <laughs> yeah. Especially I, this season of yeah, this show. I'd, I'd rather not know <laughs> with a show. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. yeah. Um, that, that's something that weirdly irks me a lot. That irks me a lot more. I, I, I'm like, oh, give it away from me. I don't want to. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, this is another great episode. Uh, thank you guys so much for being here. And, I don't know what day of the week this is that this is going up. Should we do the rest of the patron call-outs? Sure. <laughs> Let's shout out some patrons. Yeah. <laughs> Fan Pops always getting chased by the cops. Olivia Del Guy sharing French fries with me. Andy Funk is never in a skunk. The Lorenzo Baxter Foundation Corporation Reed Richards is a fantastic for. Why are you here differently, Sane? What is it that you have to gain? That's the heavenly smell of Levitt Odell. Somehow, finding our Patreon, she charted a course as she ventured on her Lauren American horse. I could never be jaded when I'm hanging with Simply Faded. I never say no, no to Peter Pacheco Co. You're the one for me, Joanna St. Louis. Let's climb a tree together. And you know what makes me feel free when I hang out with Mr. Rogue Cree? We want to fight like Jackie Chan and Bruce Lee. Knock me to the floor getting picked up by SJ94. Four. Justin Martin always showing up here angry like Cartman. <laughs>
Rosie Beatty is not a nosy lady. She's 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 lovely, and you should get to know. Philip J. Smith Jr. always kicking it with all these boomers. He jumped into puberty a little bit late. Call him a late bloomer. Speaking of calling, I'm calling upon Colin, Colin, Colin to, call to call me, call me back. back. Jen Smith. That all rhymes. <laughs> You know what? It's on <laughs> mic drop, <laughs> Melanie LeBlanc on getting cronk. That's right. Badonka donk. Turn your phone yeah. notifications <laughs> off. Jason Dolan, when are you and I gonna go bowling? When I put my finger inside of you, we call that holin'. <laughs> we we do call it holin', and uh, we would love to be holin' all. <laughs> of you. Thank you guys so much for being here. <laughs> we love you and appreciate your yes. support every month and yeah. for sticking with us through this nonsense. We'll see you guys soon. What would you do to achieve the American dream? The big house the happy family, the money. 911, what's your emergency? Would you put in the hours? Would you take a big swing? What's the problem? What's the problem? Would you lie? Would you cheat? Would they shop? Would they shop? Would you kill? Yes. <laughs> My mom and dad. My mom and my dad. From Airship, the studio behind American Scandal comes a new true crime history podcast. I'm Jeremy Schwartz, and I'll be taking you inside the minds of some of our most notorious felons and outlaws, exploring the dark side of the American dream. In my new show, American Criminal, you'll meet the picture-perfect brothers who killed their parents, the thief who stole babies, the crypto king who siphoned off billions and plenty more. From assassins and gangsters to killers and con artists, whatever the case, whoever the criminal, you don't know the full story until now. Don't miss the debut season of American Criminal, The Menendez Brothers, beginning February 29th. Listen wherever you get your podcasts or to get early ad-free access to the entire season first, plus hundreds of other ad-free history podcast episodes, subscribe at intohistory.com.